Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. It's Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month. No additional costs or fees either. Just $39 a month for hundreds of events in Denver. For instance, here's what you can hit up over the next few weeks. Nuggets vs. Nets, Friday night at Pepsi Center. Nuggets vs. Bucks, Sunday, beer flights at Prost Brewing. Seavers, Washington State, and Boulder. Comedy shows downtown at Comedy Works. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We've partnered with Inwego to give BSN listeners a great deal. So if you go to Inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All those events in Denver and a lot more for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it, and you're going to fall in love with it. So again, Inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. And with that, I'd like to welcome you into a Friday edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind, Christian Clark here, recording Friday afternoon. We're down here at Blake Street Tavern downtown denver lodo whatever the kids call it these days just a block from coors field if you guys have never been to blake street tavern to watch a nuggets game you're definitely missing out Uh, they got great beers great food too low prices a great spot to watch it was a great spot i should say to watch rockies games this past fall but will be a great spot for nuggets and avs games this whole season Still a great spot for Broncos and college football games on Saturdays and Sundays, but right now it's the spot of the latest BSN Nuggets podcast. Christian, we just came out of a Nuggets shoot-around that was unlike any I think I've been a part of over the last three seasons. Nikola Jokic spoke after his three straight single-digit performances and Paul Millsap spoke. Will Barton spoke for the first time since he was injured, what, three weeks ago now? Got to hear from him. Always nice to get Will Barton's perspective on things. What was one of your takeaways from that? Well, it's good to hear from Will Barton. I got to pose him a hypothetical. If you were stuck on 48 points and your team had the ball, had the ball, the game was already decided, would you chuck up a three like Jamal Murray did against the Boston Celtics that pissed off everyone in that locker room? Will Barton, I said no, I said no, but I haven't been in that position yet, so I wouldn't say I wouldn't have did it, but my natural thought process is to say don't shoot it because the game's pretty much over. I ain't going to get too much into it. He's my teammate. Whatever he decides, during the moment I'm riding with him, I'll tell him he's wrong afterwards. That's what family does. Would you have done it? No, I wouldn't have done it. 
I feel like that was a perfect response for Mulbarton. I, I say I won't do it right now, but hell, right. I, I've never been stuck on 48 points, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I change when I am. Sitting here in Blake Street Tavern, I say I wouldn't have gone for 50, but out on an NBA court on 48 points on a night like that, I guess you never know, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you probably feel like a gladiator or something when you're out there and 22,000 people are screaming your name. I do believe that Will Barton wouldn't have done it, though. I no. don't think he's the kind of guy. It takes a type of player, a type of person, when you're sitting at 48 points to chuck up a three with less than 10 seconds on the clock in a game that's already decided. It takes a certain guy to do that. I don't think Will Barton would have done that. But as as I said when we record the podcast after the Celtics game, I'm glad Jamal Murray did it. I'm supportive of him doing it. I have no issues with him shooting that ball. Will Barton is kind of an old soul in a lot of ways, too, uh, at least basketball-wise. I mean, Jamal Murray is a couple years younger than him, but Jamal Murray is one of those new dudes. Will Barton is not a new dude, I don't think. Will Barton's a, a tested veteran, man. He's been around the block for a while. He's a well-traveled guy who's sat on the end of benches and never played. He's a guy who started and played a leading role for teams. He's had a much different career path than uh, Jamal Murray so far. So it was good to hear from Will Barton. He's in good spirits, it definitely seemed. He's taking his rehab day by day. I asked him if he had a target date in mind of when he wanted to get back. He said he didn't. Too early for that. He's going to get reevaluated in what about three weeks here from next Tuesday. I think technically uh, we're recording on Friday here, so we'll see what the prognosis is after that. I'm sure the Nuggets will have a much more accurate or much more specific is a better word timetable for when he should return after he gets that reevaluation in a few weeks. The other part of shoot around that was definitely odd and that we've been talking about a lot off air since we got out of there was what Nikola Jokic had to say and he's come off three straight single digit scoring outings the last of which in Memphis were only attempted one shot and that shot did not come until the potential game winner at the end of regulation we were curious to see what he was going to have to say today and I guess we didn't get a whole lot right yeah, I've, n- I've never really seen Jokic be terse with the media and now my, my third season covering the team. So it, it was a little jarring to I- experience that. I mean, Jokic has been going through s- some struggles in the offensive end. This is something that's been building to that Memphis game, really. He's, been, he's attempted single-digit field goals in five of his previous six games. And I thought Will Barton made a pretty good point, too. It's not just about the field goal attempts. It's about the fact that he's not even looking at the rim. He's not even a threat to score. It was a great point. And we can always rely on Will Barton to bring some clarity and some perspective to the situation. I remember when Denver almost lost that preseason game against Perth. Everybody's freaking out. Michael Malone is pissed off, quite frankly. I mean, he had good reason to be pissed off, but he was angry in his postgame interview. A lot of players were frustrated. Will Barton pretty much stepped up to the media and said, hey, we're still coming together. It's a preseason game. Yeah, we didn't play our best, but we're going to be all right. And that proved to be true. But Will Barton can always apply some perspective to any situation. I feel like he did that with Jokic. We know that about Jokic. It's never been about the amount of shots he's taking. It's about how involved he is in the offense. And 
in that Memphis game specifically, and really for most of these last three games, he just has not been himself on the floor. He's not been a threat and just really hasn't striked fear in the defense, which is what he has to do to be effective. So it's never been about him taking 20 shots or 25 shots or 15 shots. Yeah, his shots usually come when he's aggressive, but it's just more about him being involved and being at the center of the Nuggets attack, and he hasn't been that guy as of late. And as quiet as Jokic was in Memphis the other night, he was equally as quiet Friday morning after shoot-around, really just offering one-word answers, one-sentence answers when asked about how the Nuggets can turn this offense around, what he has to do to get going, if Coach Mike Malone or his teammates have approached him with any encouragement or any advice over these last couple of days. He was very, as you said, terse and didn't offer much. Like I said, just one-word answers, one-sentence answers. He had that fine come down from the league the other day, too. That could be affecting him some. I'm not really sure, but hey, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds Friday night against Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, I'm curious to see how Jokic comes out. I'm curious to see what the Nuggets' starting lineup is. I thought that Juancho Hernan Gomez was going to be in there against Memphis at starting small forward. Yeah. It wasn't the case, um, and maybe it was just going to take a loss for it to change. I mean, we don't know for sure. Michael Malone didn't speak today. He's going to speak pregame, but I don't know. I guess I'll... I'll risk making a wrong prediction for the second game in a row. I think Wancho will be in there at starting small forward. I'm with you. I'm predicting he starts at small forward, and most of you will probably listen to this after the game wraps up. So we might be really right, or we might be really wrong about that. I thought it would take a loss where the starting lineup just couldn't get anything going with Torrey Craig for a change like this to happen. That happened in Memphis, so maybe we get the starting lineup change Friday against Brooklyn. We've spoken about why Wancho's the best fit. I think both of us feel that way for the Nuggets starting lineup. We'll see if they go that direction here on Friday. Here's what we're going to do for the remainder of today's show. We're each going to go over the three biggest positives so far that we've seen from this Nuggets season, from the defense to the coaching. We'll see what each of us has to say when it comes to just what are our biggest takeaways on the positive side of things for Denver so far because all in all, it's been a very positive start for the Nuggets. We'll get into that on the other side right here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. 
Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wynn, Christian Clark here. Friday edition of the show down here at our favorite sports bar in Denver, Blake Street Tavern. Feel almost at home here. But let's start off on these three biggest positives so far from this Nuggets season. Let's hear your first one. Number one, I got Gary Harris going up another level. This probably shouldn't be a surprise. It's because I have a big, dumb brain that it is a surprise, Harrison. Gary has only gotten better um, every season, seemingly. And now, I mean, it's gotten to the point where I think Gary can challenge for an all-star selection or something like that pretty soon here. Um, The way he's attacking off the dribble is noticeably better. Gary has got that left to right behind between the legs crossover and repertoire now. He's got that killer behind the back, stopping a dime move. I think the most impressive dribble move he's pulled off all year, this might be somewhat of an unpopular opinion, was in the Pelicans game where he took Drew Holiday going right, and he did that behind the back move, and Drew Holiday just ended up like 15 feet away from him. Drew Holiday is strong as hell, possibly the strongest point guard in the entire league, and Gary just did him like that. I mean, Gary's numbers averaging 18.5 points. He's doing that, and he's not even making his three-pointers yet. He's shooting less than 30% on threes. We know he's going to be a high 30s guy based on what we've seen the two seasons previous to this one. So really encouraging stuff from Gary so far. Yeah, I agree. I was also one of those guys who must have used my big dumb brain in saying I didn't think he could be better than Jamal Murray like long-term. I always said Jamal Murray probably has a higher ceiling than Gary Harris long-term. I don't know if I think that way anymore. I might take Gary Harris over Jamal Murray for the next five, ten years. Is that crazy? Oh, man, it's a a coin flip. It's it's so close, and I was probably leaning Jamal coming into this season. I was leaning Jamal as well, but, I mean, I know Jamal had a 48-point game. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't put a cap on what Gary Harris – can do on the offensive end of the court throughout the rest of his career and why I'm probably more and why I'm probably higher on him long term as compared to Murray is for what he can do defensively I feel like he's been great defensively this year much better than last year and I remember going back to some of our season preview pods I really felt like him taking a step as a defender was kind of the next progression in his career for two straight years He's improved leaps and bounds on the offensive end of the floor. If he can become an elite lockdown defender on the wing, and he's not there yet, but I think he can be. He's done some really good stuff off the ball, like in help side this year. He's getting steals like he always does. But if he could one day become just a lockdown guy, like a Tony Allen defender, man, like that's a scary potential. Yeah, I agree with you that he has played you know, better on the defensive end this year. I mean, honestly, I think he always had that ability. Yeah. I just think, like a lot of guys in this team, it, it just comes down to desire. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, the defensive strides Nicole Jokic has made. Gary ha- has definitely made those too. In fact, I think Paul Millsap mentioned him by name as one guy who's playing better on the defensive end. I mean, seeing him shadow Clay Thompson in that Warriors game was really fun because Gary's strong as hell and he's fast as hell, but he's also giving up like three inches to Clay Thompson. So I thought he did a great, a pretty good job on, on Clay in that game, you know, dis- despite the height disparity. And, you know, going back to offense real quick, I mean, you know, one sign that's indicative of, of the strides Gary's made as a ball handler, 
We've even sar started to see him run a little point guard lately, and I think that's a, a pretty interesting look for the, for the Nuggets long term. Not like Gary move over there full, full time, but like he can do it in a pinch. Well, it's a really interesting look considering how much Jamal Murray's kind of struggled point guarding, if that's even a verb. It's not, but I'm making it a verb for the <laughs> sake of this podcast. How much he's struggled with that part of his game early on this season. Well, Gary's capable in the pick and roll. He's capable bringing the ball up the court and getting his team into sets. I think it's a look I'd want to see even more, to be quite honest. Hopefully we see it a little more of these next few games, especially you know, maybe it's on some of those bench units before they bring on Monte Morris, or, or I don't know. But um, I don't think Gary Harris at point guard and taking on some more lead ball handling duties is the craziest thing. He can definitely do it. One thing that you hear consistently throughout the Nuggets organization, when Gary gets to his right hand, it's over. I yeah. mean, when he's going downhill with that right <laughs> hand, uh, he's probably going to score on you 75 80% of the time. Definitely, definitely. What I want to start off here in a big positive I've got and a big takeaway I've got from this season so far is the Nuggets play at home at Pepsi Center. This is one of the things going into the season that I thought could really help Denver out separate it from a few other playoff contenders and really help them pack some good wins early in the season that would help them out when it came time for playoff seeding, and that was winning at home. Like They were good at home last year. I felt like they could have been better. They definitely dropped a bunch of games that they should. They were 31-10 and 10 at home. I think they can be even better than that at home this season. They went 38-3 and at Pepsi Center in 2012-2013. I don't know if they'll only drop three games, but I don't think only dropping like five or six or seven games at home all season is out of the question. That's how good I think they can be on their home floor. There was a reporter from China, I believe, here a couple days ago, and he was saying how in China – they call Pepsi Center the devil's court, the devil's <laughs> home court. And he was also saying the Nuggets have the second best home record behind the Spurs in the last 15 seasons, which is crazy to think about considering the Nuggets had those two years under Brian Shaw where they were not good at home, and they weren't great under Michael Malone in his first season here. We're a little better in his second season, and then we're pretty good at home last year, but... I do believe, though, that this team can be special at home. Well, I, I do know that the Chinese have great nicknames for, for basketball players and just things in the NBA in general. I don't know if you, you saw that thread that went viral this summer of the linguistics professor who translated a bunch of Chinese nicknames. Steph Curry's, for example, is, uh, I'm not going to say the expletive, but F's the sky because he, he's such a good shooter. He's also known as Sprout God in China. Giannis Antetokounmpo is known Sprout as God. Giannis Antetokounmpo is known as Letters Bro in Chinese. So, shout out to the Chinese for phenomenal nicknames and having some fun with it too, not just mythologizing these guys. I'm dying over here, man. Sprite Bro or Sprout Bro? <laughs> Letters Man. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, what were you even talking about? <laughs> talking about how good the Nuggets are at home and how in China they call the Nuggets home court the devil's court. 
I mean, look at some of these Nuggets wins at home already. I mean, Golden State, New Orleans, although Anthony Davis didn't play, Boston, Utah. I mean, those are some excellent, excellent wins. The crowd has been phenomenal this year, too. I, I said on previous podcasts, the loudest I've ever heard it in Pepsi Center in, in my third season covering the team is when Rudy Gobert stepped to the free throw line in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets, you know, fueled by that reserve heavy lineup, were just shellacking the Jazz. That was freaking awesome, man. The crowds have been awesome this year. It's been a total shift from what it was two years ago. They've been great, and we know this team plays great when it's fueled by a loud and packed crowd. The fact that there's already been four sellouts at Pep Center this year, I don't think is any uh, any surprise that Denver's played really well in front of those crowds here. What is another positive you've got from this year over the first, what are we through, 11 games? I've got the bench. I just kind of alluded to them. Um, they were so damn good in, the, in that fourth quarter to close out the Utah game. I mean, it was pretty much when they went on that huge run, it, it was four bench guys out there. I love the bookends to the Nuggets bench lineup, Monte Morris and Mason Plumley. Those guys have great chemistry already together. And you know what? Shout out to me for predicting that pick and roll combination. It's the one prediction you've gotten right this season. Uh, Congratulations. You know I think I've gotten a lot more than that. I just uh, don't like to toot my horn and... I'm not afraid to make fun of myself. Yes, Tyler Lydon leading the team in scoring in summer league was a bad prediction, I know. But <laughs> Monte and Mason have been unbelievable. Both, you know, I think definitely pluses on the defensive end. Um, Malik Beasley has been really good in spots. I think Malik can be an elite defender if he wants to one day, and, and his offense is coming around. Wancho is string, strung a couple good games together. He already hit five frees in a game. We got a Wancho explosion. Nothing is more fun than a Wancho whoa, explosion. Whoa, Did you just make up that uh, term? Yeah, I just spliced together wow. Wancho and explosion. Let's trademark that, write it down, put it on bsindenver.com. You heard that here first when that blows up. Yeah, it sounds vaguely sexual, too, so I kind of like it. But, yeah, man, I mean, the bench, it was just a, a, a big negative last year. And this year, I don't think there's any big question that it's been a positive. For sure. The bench has been great. I said in the preseason that this bench was reminding me of the Toronto Raptors bench. It kind of struggled to begin the first couple games, but it's really come on over this last stretch, maybe the last two, three weeks. I think the most important player on that bench is Monte Morris, followed closely by Mason Plumley. Then a bunch of other guys have also been really good. Everybody's been so good on that bench. And look, they've been so good that, Michael Malone's closed a couple of games with them, even though the Nuggets didn't beat Memphis. Trey Lyles, Wancho, those guys were on the floor to end the game. Mason Plumlee even a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see w what happens when Isaiah Thomas comes back. And yeah. I guess maybe I should s say that a little more clearly. Isaiah Thomas, when he gets healthy, is going to play. Yeah. Um, I'm, I guess I'm going to be looking out for if, you know, Isaiah Thomas – struggles a little bit in the early going, what's going to happen there? Because Monte has been freaking nails. Or if the Nuggets try to formulate some type of rotation where both Isaiah Thomas and Monte Morris are getting minutes, that's going to be really hard to do considering 
both those guys aren't the biggest guys in the world, and Monte at 6'3 is already really slight at 175, but you got to think the Nuggets want to find minutes for Monte based on how the first part of this year has gone. Here's a Galaxy brain lineup for you. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Gary Harris at power forward, and Nikola Jokic at center. Wow. They'd score, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. They'd they'd probably post a 150 offensive rating, but maybe a 140 defensive rating. Yeah, it wouldn't be pretty. The bench has been great, though. No, you're spot on. Another big positive for me here over these first few weeks has been the coaching and what Michael Malone's been able to do and the buttons he's been able to push. He closed the year in a really good spot, I felt like, really – pushing a lot of the right buttons over the Nuggets' final stretch run to close last season. I remember he went to that Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic stagger that really was effective. There were times last year where he cut down his rotation to seven or eight guys, which I thought was a really good move at the time. Obviously, you can only do that for a portion of the regular season when it's in the middle of the year like that, but I felt like he managed that well. And this year, I really like how he's relying on the Nuggets' depth. Denver's a deep team. Wancho, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, even. Those guys could be blogging 20, 25 minutes for a lot of teams in the NBA. But the Nuggets have 10 guys, maybe even 11 guys that can play and can contribute at the NBA level. I say it all the time, but good teams in the NBA have good benches. The bad teams have bad benches. And it's really true. The Nuggets are a good team. They've got a really solid and reliable bench. And I I'm glad that Michael Malone is using it. I feel like it's been the right move. And I also like some of the other smaller moves he's making. Playing Jamal Murray with the bench unit, I feel like that's given the Nuggets some good results here over the first few weeks of the season. It seems like he's pushing a lot of buttons that are the right ones. Michael Malone has unquestionably done a really good job here in the early going. Finally, Harrison, finally, they're playing some defense. Uh, more on that in a minute, but one of the things I kind of like about, about Malone so far is he, he's not getting too high after these wins. You know, I think after some wins the previous two seasons, and not just him, you know, players on the team too, um, they, they've gotten, you know, really, really excited, and that's cool. But this year Malone is he's gone into, like, Terminator mode. Like, they were 9-1, and one and, and he was asked about their, their hot start, and he said, doesn't mean anything. Like, we have 72 more games to play. I think there's going to be no letting up until the Nuggets actually clinch a playoff spot this year. Well, I'd be curious to see what he says if the Nuggets win tonight because you know what happens if they win tonight? They tie the best start in franchise history? Well, they do tie the best start in franchise history, but they'll also be the number one seed in the West. Okay, well, I don't think he cares about that. That's kind of a big deal. I know we're three weeks into the season, but... Nuggets are going to be the number one team in the West right now. If they win tonight, they'll be tied with the Warriors at 10-2. They'll hold the tiebreaker over them because they already beat them this season. It's a notable accomplishment for, you know, three weeks into the year, I think. Yeah, they could hang a banner in Pepsi Center. Oh it says, we're number you one in the West to go there. after 12 games. You had to go there. Maybe Michael Malone will go to that tonight if he's asked. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we'll get into our final two positives from this season so far we'll be right back on the bsn nuggets podcast
When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado, and Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Cake House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there and they have a million TVs it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today and don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wynn, Christian Clark here. My final positive that I want to get out there on this edition of the show, real quick though, Richard Jefferson on the jump. It's time for Mello's farewell tour. RJ getting out there <laughs> in front of it. I like it. Um, Is he saying like he should retire? He's saying this should be his farewell tour. Yes. Shout out He's to RJ saying for he should retire real. after this season. Oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> Curious to see what Melo thinks about that. Anyways, a big takeaway I've had from this Nugget season so far is that it seems like whatever bug Denver had in its system where they would play down to lesser competition, they're over it. And it's crazy. Some people were getting at me after this loss at Memphis and saying, oh, they still can't beat the bad teams and whatnot. Memphis has been a good team this year. They have Marcus All, who's playing at a defensive player of the year level right now. Like Mike Conley's healthy, although Torrey Craig did shut him down the other night. Memphis is a good team, and playing in Memphis is really tough to do. One of the toughest places to play in the league. But beating Cleveland, beating Chicago, beating the Kings, who have also looked pretty good this year, beating Phoenix handily at home. The fact that Denver is taking care of these bad teams that come into Pepsi Center and that they also visit on the road shows a lot of growth for this team. It was one of the things that killed them last year. It was one of the things that kept them out of the playoffs last year. For them to just take care of business is a big step for this team. Like Gary Harris said after that Pelicans game, there's just a different vibe with this team this year, and, and I totally agree with that. You know, Part of that is taking care of business against lesser competition. I mean, I don't agree with the Nuggets fail to take care of business against a bad team, against Memphis. I mean, if the Nuggets hold the team to 89 points, they're probably winning that game 19 out of 20 times. Like, it was just a freak thing where right. almost everything went wrong with their offense. And, you know, I think the other area where, where Gary Harris said there's just a different vibe with this team is a defensive end with the floor. They're, the Nuggets are not doing that much differently schematically. They're just trying a lot harder this year. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. It, it's not hard to wrap your head around. Um, a lot of what defense is is just trying and just effort. They did not have that over the last few seasons. Yeah, and it, it's focused, too, you know, knowing guys' tendencies. I mean, it's just a night and day difference between Nuggets defense this year and what we've seen the last three, four seasons. 
Denver is currently second in points per 100 possessions. They're third in half-court defense per cleaning the glass. They're second in transition defense per cleaning the glass. So, you know, they're doing it when teams slow down getting their sets, and they're actually getting their butts back this year. Wancho had a great play in the Celtics game where he bricked a corner three and then sprinted the length of the floor to get a chase down block. It was impressive. So they, they've been really fun to watch on, on that end this year. And no, but I don't think anybody but Paul Millsap saw this coming. Paul Millsap predicted in training <laughs> camp the Nuggets could be a top five defense. I don't think Mike Malone in his heart of hearts would have even predicted they could be a top five defense after 12 games. Yeah, but they're holding steady. Where are they still second overall in defensive efficiency heading into tonight? I wonder how long they can keep this up. How many games, and I guess it's transitioning into your last point, but how many games do they have to play defense at this level to say, hey, they can be a top five defense for the whole season? Uh, Thanksgiving? Christmas? Oh, top five? Um, maybe like 75 games. <laughs> but I, I don't mean to, to diminish their accomplishments in any way. Like, They've clearly gone up a level, a level and a half, maybe even two levels at end. And, you know, I, I think like top 12, top 10 is a very realistic goal for them in terms of defic defensive efficiency now. Yeah, I agree. No, Now the expectation is top 15. Like if they don't finish in the top 15 now, it's probably a big disappointment on the defensive end of the floor, even though, you know, 10 through 20 can only be separated by a point or two per 100 possessions, so it's optics a lot of the times, but a top 15 defense should be very attainable for Denver this season. Talk about the defense more, because I know that's your final uh, bullet point here you wanted to get to. Oh, man. I mean, everybody ha has just improved. I mean, Paul Millsap is the heartbeat of the defense. He's clearly the most important player. Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray all are, are trying more this year. And I think you make a case that Mason Plumlee has been, you know, the third most valuable defender on this team this year, too. Uh, go look at the on-off splits. They're pretty jarring. He's blowing up pick and rolls. He's got a ton of steals this year. So, shouts to Mason Plumlee. Up and down the roster, this team has been so impressive on the defensive end of the floor. And that's another thing that I want to get in when I was talking about Michael Malone. He deserves a lot of credit for what Denver's been able to do defensively this year. Whatever he's preaching on the practice court, whatever scheme he and his staff has put in, it's working. Nicole Jokic has been so good defensively this year. Like, the improvement he's shown from year to year is pretty incredible. So it's been up and down the roster. I agree. It starts with Paul Millsap. But Jokic, Mason Plumley. Monte Morris has been solid on defense. Trey Lyles has been capable on that end of the floor. Torrey Craig has been good. Wancho has been a little underrated, I think, defensively with his rim protection and rebounding. Gary Harris has been good. So uh, it, it's been an all-out effort, second overall in defense. Against Brooklyn, a team coming into tonight who ranks ninth in offense, it's going to be a test. You know, Brooklyn's not like the class of the Eastern Conference, but – they're a decent team. They're five and six overall. It will be a test. Yeah, I mean, how conflicted are you going to be, you know, wanting the Nuggets to maintain this defensive identity, but also rooting for Joe Harris to go for a 25-plus? I mean, I'm not going to be rooting for it, but it's going to happen. You oh, know? okay. All right, I'm, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Joe Harris, he's Clay Thompson on a bad team. He's great shooter, great ball mover, great passer, uh, an undervalued player in the league. 
Yeah, he looks like the Brooklyn hipster version of Clay Thompson. East Coast Clay Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think that's all the time we got for today. Let us know what you think about these takeaways, these positives from this year. If you got questions for the show, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. And with that, we'll be back with another episode on Monday. Talk with you guys then.